real. At least I stayed on the real the last three times. So we are live. I will try to start our new intro. It's making me look for it. This is interesting. Alrighty, here we go. So let me get rid of this. Sorry. Go go away. Okay. Good night. Bye. Not you guys. We bring you diversity. Oh look. We bring you love. In a world of fear, we inspire you to live. And now, laughing, loving, and alive with your hosts, Rain Thomas, Elmer J. Howard, and Dr. Kevin. I forgot. We actually, I could, I could get rid of us. I'll have to remember that next time. Oh, yay. Instead of, instead of us watching the video. Um, I love right. it. How do I exit it? <laughs> I don't know. There we go. <laughs> exit, exit stage left. As oh my said. goodness! Oh boy! We gotta we, we gotta keep this interesting for the watchers out there. You know, we're unedited yeah. and raw. <clears throat> oh, I like it raw. Okay. Isn't that like ODB who said that? Oh baby, I like it raw. Oh baby, I like it raw. Some of our fans will know who that is. I'm glad some of our fans will. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't have any idea either. But that is okay. Hmm. So, so how do we Rain, start this off? Well, Rain, you, you told me some news on, through text before the show started. Is that something you can share on air? Uh, which part? You know, I don't remember so many things rattling around in that cage. Uh, something to do uh, with uh, being a host? Yes, I probably can share that. I have an ongoing gig where I am a remote host and I keep, it's kind of, you know, I used to do this with PBS and um, their telephone. I know Dr. Kevin knows what a telephone is, but does anyone know what a telephone is? Yes. I would be their host to keep people fired up and inspired and make them want to donate or buy something and auction or whatever. So they thought it would be fun and I'd be good for that. So remote, that should be fun. I can hardly wait. I love that kind of stuff. It's just on the spot, you know, improv, be myself pitch the product and just kind of go with it. Now, is this an actual telephone? It's an actual, it's multiple companies who need to sell things that they have that they would normally sell, I guess, on, in stores or Amazon. But because of all, you know, the things that have been happening with COVID, people aren't doing that as much. And if people don't understand your product or they don't know how it feels or how it works, they just don't bother. So I am the person who's going to bring that product. You know, they'll send me the product. I'll look it over. I'll talk about it. Um, they'll see me use it or with it or somebody with it or pictures. I can do whatever I want. It's just they told me to use full creative expansion on my part was the term. And so um, it's I think each one is hosting. It's two hours to get people to actually purchase this, whatever it is. It could be educational products for children, um, clothing, eyewear. It could be anything. So, you know, I'll get cozy with some of these companies and, you know, start rubbing elbows, laughing, loving her life. Hi, Nate. Nate just had a big boxing match. He knocked the guy out in like three seconds. I don't even know if that's called a boxing match, but I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. Because he does a lot of stuff. He invites me a lot of stuff where um, boxers actually donate. So at some point, I'm going to go to Nate and be like, you think you can like, let them know they can hit us up? See, I can sell anything. So remember that, Nate, when I hang up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. And I'm going you to post the other stuff pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Never okay, miss an opportunity, well, especially for laughing, loving, and alive. So... I think that this sounds like you're going to be doing a version of QVC, known as COVID-19. 
Buy yeah. here now. That's it. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. That's, that's, it. that's, that's it. Yeah. So just call me Rain in the QVC Desert. Nice. Nobody's told me that. Born into trouble, mate. <laughs> I was born into trouble. I did. I, did you watch that episode? Do you have a trouble? You remember trouble, right, Rain? The cute little dog, trouble. Yeah, of course. Yeah, go ahead, Elmer, to show your. You know, I never Nate, got mine, your... right? You know why? No, I or I had to order mine. I did. I ordered mine, but I ordered it and sent it. I was going to send it to myself, but then the young lady I was sending it to passed away the day before I was ordering it for myself. So I had it sent to her. I had two sent, one to her son and one to her husband. Oh. Yeah, so. that was really, she was only like 26. Yeah. Mm. So... Uh, El Diablo Blanco. Dun, dun. So I have a question. Dr. Kevin, when are you going to Six Flags? Yes, and which yes. Six Flags is it? Well, we're trying to figure that out. Uh, but where is the Six Flags, Elmer? You're the one who has the birthday pass. It's in Massachusetts. It's called Six Flags New England. It's um, just north of the border with Connecticut, so almost directly north of Hartford. I would ah. give anything to go. Well, you don't have to give anything. Everything you just have to buy a plane ticket. We'll tell you the date. Well, apparently, I can't even in. get that done anymore. <laughs> I would. This is the only place I've ever lived in my life where we're nowhere near an amusement park, and that's one of my favorite things ever. Wait a second. Well, you you've got you got six. All of Vegas is an amusement park. Uh, yeah. No, it's an amusement, not an what, amusement what about, park. What about Circus oh, Circus? I'm not going to say what I think is Circus Circus <laughs> on air. I'm going to go ahead, and that is not a music part. No, but they have rides and stuff. That was fun. Mm, yeah, but uh, can you imagine going there more than once? Eh. There. Maybe once a year. <laughs> no, no. Not even? not even once a year. No, no. No, I would rather drink raw glass. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> Dr. Kevin, are you with us? Okay. You keep freezing you keep well, freezing up. I keep on seeing you two freeze up. Uh, we're, she and I are still uh, talking. You're the one freezing. <laughs> yeah. Well no, I hear you talking, but your picture freezes up. I don't know why. Ah. Oh. So yeah. Anyway, so what else is up with you, Miss Rain? And then we'll move to Mr. Elmer. And Kevin, since you haven't seen my text message, can you lower your camera? You're just his little head on the bottom of the screen right now. Oh. <laughs> I was like, he's down so tiny. Okay, I'm, I'm like, is Nate, this something I need to I'm, know? Uh, come to not. Uh, I don't even uh, know where my phone is. I think I left it in the other room. Ah, that's why you didn't see my text. Okay. I know. No, I've been oh, to Knott's Berry, but you know that's that's not close. Everywhere else I've lived, you know, the music park is two hours at the maximum drive. When we went to Knott's Berry, you know, we had to spend the whole weekend, and it was crazy, kind of crowded. It was just, it was just too much. So, <laughs> I, you know, it was probably easier to fly to Massachusetts and go to Six Flags. Any excuse. I need a new movie. Come on, Elmer. Chop chop. <laughs> I I have a couple in in production. I know. I'm not worried. I just want you to chop chop so I can be fabulous on the runway somewhere. Yeah, we we have one. Um, um, I can't talk about it yet, but it's um, it's based on a true story. 1975 happened here in Maine, so it's gonna, really okay. Yeah, it's a, <clears throat> yeah. I'm really excited about this project. Um, and we have the the mini series. Um, that we're about to get ready for to send off for the budget. So, is it miniseries concept or the actual? It's a uh, six, six, seven, or eight. I can't remember what she landed on. Um, episodes, hour-long episodes. Oh, that's so going to be great. So it's it's a miniseries. Yeah. 
or a limited okay. series, sometimes they call it. Okay, well, just so you know, I'm not auditioning anymore. I don't care that people think you're supposed to audition every time. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to go look at the script, and then you're going to tell me all the roles that I qualify for. I mean, I've been auditioning for stuff that says, like, Chinese man. I throw my hat in the ring for that, too. <laughs> because you never know, right? They might be looking for someone else. Dr. Kevin just disappeared. Yeah, I think we <laughs> lost his... Uh... Thank you, Nate. Um yeah, we're hoping that with the miniseries to get it picked up by we're going to do the pilot and then get it picked up by um, like Hulu or HBO Max or something. Um, yeah, and then Dr. Kevin was having internet issues, so hopefully he'll be back soon. He ran off to go find his phone, and then we lost him on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what's going on. He's like, I want to know what's going on with you. And then, oh, there he is. <laughs> Hi, and my name is Rain Thomas. I get my video to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was saying. I was like, oh, there's Rain Thomas. You can't get the video to work. <laughs> I'm Rain out of the desert. <laughs> oh, and I heard boy. most of what everybody said. I heard about Elmer's Secret Project, which I know what it is. I heard about, you know, uh, hey, you know. But so you're not going to give him any hard time about cutting out your best well, he monologue did, she, ever. Well, she did say that she wasn't going to audition for me anymore, that I just had to give That's her a role. That's what I said. Yeah. But, uh, and I don't mean a bit role. I don't want to play a tree. I don't want to play some... Right, I, got, I got the receptionist. You know, I got one for receptionists. So it's a, available. Is she an <laughs> ongoing receptionist? Because I'm not playing a one bit. Elmer, don't make me come up there. Don't make me well there's certain people that um that i wouldn't have to audition um uh you know maybe do you know uh, a screen you know uh or what's the word i'm blanking on it but anyway a screen test um but mm -hmm. um to make to make sure you fit the role and fit the the um the chemistry of the other characters but no even like you're one of them uh thomas smallwood who was in my last film he was another one soon mm -hmm. someone threw out his name i'm like i know him i know how well he acts how well he sings and everything i, I don't need to audition him he's good for the role but so same thing yes if i have a role for you rain i won't make you audition for it what do you mean if this is my screen test did you mean that <laughs> if i have a role for you what the heck now elmer i just want to point something out you have to work with Rain because you know she's the ultimate professional. She always shows up on time. She always gets back to you, you know? <laughs> and so, like, if you were to ever offer Rain a chance to co-host on your show and told her you needed the, the decision by the end of the month, and she said that she would give it to you with no problem, you know, she would never just leave it hanging so that the week before the show, you still don't know if you have a oh, or not. She understands about the professionality of live radio. Oh, yes. Leave somebody hanging. I know. I was waiting. All of this was hanging on, these, on the whole other thing that's going on i'm like i have somebody i need to get back to and i'm like dr kevin i have somebody i need to get back to i have somebody i need to get back to and here we are i and sent you an apology gift and nate I'll, I'll definitely keep you in, in mind nate and we got to get to dr kevin because we're actually almost at 15 minutes already we haven't even brought our guest in yet okay so well i'll tell you the down and dirty was i got four hours of sleep last night because i was preparing because I did my first segment, uh, my first nine hour class of uh, uh, self mastery through astrology. So I spent all day today teaching astrology to a master level class. So I was on my feet for nine hours trying to give them all the basics to get ready because part one is six nine hour classes. Wow. And that gives them the base for which we're going to build everything on today. And I realized because of changing the schedule that we I only meet with them once a month. And so I never fully prepare the next class until I've finished the class I'm in to see what I picked up, what I might want to add, shift, change. So I have generally, I mean, I've been teaching astrology stuff since the probably mid to early 90s. So it's not like 
it's just a different format and I'm teaching it at a much deeper level to a smaller, more intense class. So you really have to be on your, on your best, you know, cause I'm teaching them astrology about how to do the critical thinking skills of how to think in astrological terms. And then I'll be teaching them from their own charts so they can apply it and see how it's actually played out in their life. And then, how they can use a series of different tools or techniques for medical authority, predictive astrology, event planning astrology, all of these other things. So, but I realized today as this class is ending and they're all really excited, but it was really exhausting that because of a shift in, in one of my students and when they could or couldn't do the class, my next class is a month away. Only that month is in October and it's two weeks away. So I now have to oh, get the class okay. ready in two weeks henceforth by i don't know if i can take next weekend off because i keep on saying you know and elmer hears me say this all the time my business is slowing down i only have like you know 15 17 18 hours of clients booked i say that on friday and on saturday it becomes 20 and on sunday it becomes 23 and then somehow it becomes 28 and sometimes it becomes 32 and then it's like, and I can't get anything else done, like spend hours preparing for this, you know. I mean, it's a great class. It's an intense class. And I take a great pride in my teaching that my students really feel like they have got something that changes their life in a positive way. But that's why they're long classes. They're intense classes. And you have to really have them prepared. So that was why I was talking about maybe postponing is two weeks and uh so but we can talk more about that offline outside of that things are going great and the last thing i'll say is i got in mail today thoughts of a renaissance man Emery. and it has so oh, 81 poems in it 81 of my poems so this is my fourth or fifth poetry book out i'll have two more out by the end of the year and the end of the week (laughs) and my science fiction book is coming out in september and my app should probably be out in october i am so excited for you hi anita hi anita Let's do what? <laughs> I think you're gonna say let's let's bring in our <laughs> We we lost we lost you there. But I assumed you were saying let's bring in our guests. Yes. I think we should bring in our guests while yes. Kevin's still hanging out with us. Bring in our guest before she jumps ship. Go ahead. She better not. I know oh, where no, she is. <laughs> Connie, Connie, Connie. I'm getting a lot of just listening to you guys. <laughs> so. Wow. Miss Rain, you get the honor to introduce her since you've booked her and you know her. And then uh, Elmer will hold her and I'll go in. Oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> this is the after dark version again. <laughs> Connie, we met. Um, we actually met in airports. Uh, that seems like 12 years ago. Now that uh, I think yeah. about it. <laughs> and I can't even remember how we met. I just know we were talking, we exchanged information. You are like a marketing, you are the woman that people who are entrepreneurs that know nothing go to, to become somebody <laughs> that they want to become. I don't know why I haven't gone to you to become who I want to be, but as Dr. Kevin said, I can't even get back to him for the radio show. But um, that's a whole different story. So this is Miss Connie Fife, who knows, you think I know everybody? See that woman? That's, I don't even know which way to point. Is it like down there? Yeah, down there. <laughs> <laughs> down there. She knows everybody. And... Um, I wanted to have her on because I've seen her interview people at Talks kind of stuff and getting your dreams together. And Dr. Kevin, you are all about pulling information out of people that 
inspire people to run to their dreams. And you will get inside of Connie. Again, this is Laughing, Loving, and Live After the Dark. You will get inside <laughs> of Connie's head and pull out things that I don't know about her. All I know is that she's fantastic. She's great at what she does. She takes it very seriously. And even I'm surprised at the people she knows. So what does that tell you? So ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for the marketing, broadcasting, like all around woman guru, Connie Five. <laughs> so, um, Rain, I know why you haven't gone to Connie. I just want to start there as I then slide into Connie. Because you have to know what you want to be when you grow up and you haven't figured that out yet so she's not going to know how to market i don't know who i want to be is that who i want to be i've always known who i want to be it's just you know i had other people who thought i shouldn't be what i want to be so Mm. so succinctly tell me who do you want to be give me five words and then i'm going to put connie on the spot and see how she'd market those five words you have five words all right words to describe who you are Actor, musician, breast cancer spokesperson, all globally. So you want to be an international artist, actor, musician, and breast cancer spokesperson. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Connie, what are you going to do with her? Okay. First of all, we're going to narrow that down. (laughs) Based on my schedule. (laughs) This could take a while. Um, yeah, because you, what you want to do, you want to focus. I'm all about with everyone, you are the brand. So we mm-hmm. want to take it and you want to be a spokesperson. You want to be an actor. You're a musician. You're an entertainer. So we want to break it down. And you as a brand, we want to niche that. And who are you as that brand? What do you want to be known as for you? Who is rain? Rain, rain in the desert. But who are you? What is it that you are bringing to everyone globally? You are bringing them happiness. You are entertaining them. And then once you get that message and you are very clear on that message, everything else comes and falls under under that. So, and again, we always go back, what's that elevator pitch? And you know, what's that you know, seven second rule or seven mm-hmm. words or less? Who are you? And then once you get who are you, and then everything else just falls into place. Because it, once you hear that magic word of, oh, you, you want to create happiness for the, for the world. And I'm misusing that because that is exactly who you are. And mm-hmm. then it's, tell me more. Tell me how you do that. That's when you go into, I'm an activist for breast cancer survivors. I'm an actress. I'm a, a musician. I'm a, I'm a singer. All of that comes into play under that. But you need to start with what's the top level? Who are you? Because, again, you are the brand. So I can tell you in three words what she brings to the world. She delivers sexy prunes. (laughs) (laughs) And she does. (laughs) Well, that's definitely an eye-opener. So somebody would say, who are you? I deliver sexy prunes. Well, that will definitely get you a... Yes, that is a moving statement for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on how many sexy prunes you delivered. How moving right. it gets. So, Connie, um, so I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I've actually um, myself had done my uh, a little hand here and there in uh, marketing and uh, teaching networking classes for business owners and okay. stuff like this. So I, 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 I get what you're saying. So I'm going to say seven words. Who's Connie? Who is Connie? Connie seven worked, words. Connie worked with world-class professionals. I, that's a, I just messed that. <laughs> <laughs> I just messed that. Oh, boy. This isn't, this isn't water I'm drinking. <laughs> we know. <laughs> well, Connie, Connie is a professional. 
A powiedzmy, że nie Herman Foster Brooks! Foster Brooks! Professional! red skeleton! I'm a professional Individuals who want to take their so want to take their status to a celebrity status. See, oh, this, this is convincing. Stuff. Yeah, that is really convincing. <laughs> so, but you know, it's very interesting, and I'm yep. and and because what I want to say is that's not who she is. That's what she does. Right. That's what I do. That's not who I am. Right. Yeah. So tell us who Connie is in seven words or less. Not what Connie does. Who is Connie? Connie is an advocate for my, I'm an advocate for life. And that's really what I say at the end of the day. I'm an advocate for life. In addition to my business, I also have a foundation, which is the Born Life Foundation, where the benefactors are kids that are aging out of the foster care system. So when everyone asks me who I am, and, and that's exactly who I am, I'm an advocate for life. Ah, you are an advocate for a better life. Mm-hmm. So now tell me, what was the drawing force for Connie to do this program? Because I know about foster kids aging out, I know that there is gaps in my in my private practice. I'm actually working with somebody who is kind of lost in a gap of parents Ooh. that won't have anything to do with them and not old enough yet for services and <clears throat> are kind of wandering around lost in the world. So mm -hmm. what what made this a heart project? Well, I always get asked the question, was I in foster care? And I wasn't, but I was raised by my grandmother. And at times it felt like it could have been foster care. And she, she died shortly before my 16th birthday. And I always say that I was forced to move back home with, with my parents. I had a, a very difficult relationship with my father who turned out to not be my father, which I just found out about a few years back um, after he had passed away. And it was just something that I always felt, even growing up, that I just always wanted a better life. Well, initially, of course, I wanted a better life for myself. And, you know, as a teenager, I lived, moved from house to house, couch surfed for a couple of years while I was in high school, you know, ended up back with my parents, you know, kind of stuck in there, worked it all out, put myself through college. But the thing that I always found that was missing was there was no direction. Even when I wanted to go to college, it, it was knocked down. And Rain, you said something before about, I always wanted to do something, but then I was always told, oh no, you don't want to do that, or you were knocked down. So I was always knocked down. You don't want to go to college. You don't want to do this. Why are you doing that? That's crazy, that's insane. So I came from a college where I was the first of many generations to go to college and I did it and I, and I put myself through college. It took a lot of years to do it. Um, I had two children um, along the way and got married and divorced a few times and something I, you know, that I wasn't as proud of. But the thing that I always felt that was missing that there was no direction. And I see a lot of these kids and, and for a couple of years I was CEO for Girl Scouts. And in Girl Scouts, I've seen a lot of girls that came from low, lower poverty families, and again, no direction. So I, I made a commitment that I was going to, um, you know, create a better life for these girls, for these for these girls and boys, and show them that there were opportunities ahead. They just needed some guidance. They just needed someone to show them that there was something out there besides sex, drugs, rock and roll. You know, getting pregnant. Um, you know, then when they age out of the foster care system, there was nowhere to go. Now, living in Los Angeles, you know, the streets are filled with kids. 
and I would have these conversations with them and I would ask them like how old are you and and you know why are you sitting here on the streets and what's going on and all the time I they aged out of foster care they had nowhere to go they had no direction so it, that just like, set a fire inside of me even more that we had to do something for these kids. Now, there's a lot of organizations out there that do help kids in foster care. Our goal is to work alongside of those organizations but catch these kids as they're aging out of foster care. So we've created Born Life Foundation. It is a 365 mentoring program where we bring our talent from Talent Concierge, we bring our talent and match them up with these kids. And so now they have a mentor that they can work with all year long. Now, COVID has prevented them from coming together at all, but they're, you know, they can still connect virtually. And so we have, you know, music producers and entertainers and musicians and corporate executives. So now they're showing these kids, it, it, you know, all of the areas that we focus on STEAM um, but we, you know, it's the science, the technologies, the engineering, the arts, the math, the music. So there's a lot more that we put in, in there as well. So we focus on those areas. So, you know, whether it's somebody that is mentoring them where they can go down the field of medicine, again, or film, uh, motion pictures, or what, whatever that is, they're getting all of this mentoring and showing them how they can move forward. In addition, these kids have a great, tremendous opportunities to go to college. And again, going to college and getting an education is really important to me because I really like was like nails on a chalkboard fighting my way to get my education. And, and today I have my master's degree. And it wasn't from any support from my family. It was something that I had to do myself and then later support from my, from my husband. Um, I mean, at one point, I mean, I actually quit and it was, you know, my new husband who actually kicked me in the butt and said, no, you're going to get it done. <laughs> like, like, just get out there and, and get it done. So that's really why I did it, because there is such a need for this. And there is just kids everywhere that just need that direction. They need someone to guide them along and show them that there's opportunities out there for them. Is, well, and you, is, go ahead, is, is it... Um, is, is it just the opportunities, you know, the, the life skills, the work, the career, what else, whatever? Uh, or is it also like if they're in foster care and they age out, I assume that there's no family there. So did you help them in any way of like creating, you know, learn how to create your own family, you know, because yeah. family doesn't have to have to be blood related, you know? Right, right. And we show them that, that right, it's not just blood, blood relations. And, you know, and, and I share my story with them that, you know, I grew up with in a family that I didn't get along with. And then I find out that I was adopted and my family, I mean, although I do talk to, I don't know who my family is some days, I do talk to my family. I, I have friends who I'm closer to, none of my family. So, you know, I share that with them, but we also work again with these other organizations that are working with them before they age out. And so we're helping them find those homes helping them and showing them and, and teaching them those skills where they can get into housing so they're not living on the streets. So that's definitely a big piece of it. I find something very interesting, um, and this has come up a few times lately, because my, my private practice is as a spiritual uh, counselor and catalyst and mm. working with people. And you know I've been doing it for 31 years. And so in working with this, this is a time when I have uh, a larger number of late teens to early 30-something people, many in my case whose parents are paying for me to teach them how to adult because they don't know how to adult. Mm. They just don't know how to adult. Right. And what I'm finding is after multiple generations of fractured families, single-parent families, uh you know, uh, two working parent families, latchkey lids, kids, that oftentimes these kids and have parents that are kids that don't teach them how to adult because they don't know how to adult. Right. They, they don't have that. And in some ways they have been emotionally surpassing their parents 
25, 15, 16 years old mm -hmm. as a survival skill. And also I find there's a big problem. I'll be interested because I don't know how much hands-on work you do with this, whether you're more administrative coordinator or whether you actually roll up your sleeves and work with any of these kids. But I find that their sense of reality and proportion in, uh, in this generation has definitely been negatively impacted by the amount of screen time, social media, not knowing who to believe, not knowing how things really work, getting information that is very confusing, especially if mm. you're trying to figure out how to manage in the world right. and, and stuff like this. And so I'm, I'm gonna be interested. Do you know if the kids that your mentors are working with ha are showing some of that same signs? Like they just yeah. don't get what reality is because there's so many versions of it. They are, they are. And again, I, I, I don't work with the kids hands-on. Um, I'm more on the administrative side, you know, doing fundraising, you know, that, that type of work. But I, I still get involved with, with what's going on with, with the kids. I mean, even back to when I was, you know, at, at Girl Scouts, I mean, I would always show up. I'd want to, you know, really get to know, know the, who the kids are. But they do. They, they, have, they, they have this mentality, um, exactly what you're talking about. And that's what's really causing that breakdown with them in society because they don't know how to manage you know, when they don't win or they don't get mm -hmm. what, what they're trying to, to attain and reach for and aim for, you know, this, this is when really it's, it's that mental breakdown that they're having. And we're having so many conversations right now today mm -hmm. around the world around, you know, mental health. And a lot of this is coming back to that because they're not able to cope. They're not able to manage with everything that's going on ar around the world. And so a lot of this, you know, and I don't even like to call it soft skills. We have to manage that before we can get even get into showing them or teaching them all of the other opportunities that, you know, getting into the innovation and, and everything else. Although when you do teach them and show them that, that does give them the confidence that they need. And that, to me, that is the one thing that's missing. Because, yeah, a lot of them are latchkey kids. Like my generation, you know, being raised by my grandmother, I mean, I was raising 13 of my cousins that would come to our house every day that I would have to get to school, get them home, you know, do their homework, feed them uh, until their, you know, their moms and dads got home from work. So they were there with somebody and somebody was taking care of them. And then, you know, then later on, um, you know, they were going off and doing their own thing. And then even my kids, because I was divorced, my son was only three months old, my daughter was three when I got divorced. But fortunately, my, my ex and I, he was a fireman, so we were able to manage it where I didn't want to have that latchkey type system, so, or put him in a daycare. So we managed it where he would take the kids or I would take the kids. But a lot of People don't, you know, and again, don't have that opportunity to do that. And again, look at the divorce rates, you know, and they're so high as well. So these kids truly don't have that family unit system like, you know, like a lot of us had, you know, well, I didn't have it, but even generations before us had it, you know, that family system. So the family is different. It looks different. So those expectations that these kids have are different. Their own personal confidence is different. I mean, look in the schools today. I mean, and, and I'm not a psychologist, but, you know, look at the shootings that we're having today. Or, you know, we talk about bullying. I mean, now it's even worse than bullying. And we're only in schools, we're only back not even a month in some districts. We've had how many shootings already? I mean, that is just so sad when you see something like that. So these kids, you know, when something happens to them, they don't know how to cope. So this is really where we need to be focusing on with these kids and that, that mental health and helping them cope with, okay, you didn't win at something today or you didn't get to play at something today. It's okay. This is part of life. So, well, yeah. There is, there is this whole system, and I think that it uh, contributes to this, which is this disenfranchisement. Mm -hmm. Like you were disenfranchised out of your family. 
Right. You didn't get to learn the soft skills. You didn't have role models that you could look up to. Right. You may not even had role models that knew how to role model to you. Right. I, you know, mm -hmm. and so, you know, you at a young age had to make up what it meant to be an adult. Mm -hmm. You were forced to be the adult in the house right. with these 13 cousins. So you sacrificed part of your childhood mm -hmm. because you had to become an adult at a young age, but yeah. you became an adult at 11 or 12 with an 11 or 12 year old skill set. I mean, yeah. a lot of the healing work I have to do with people oftentimes is going in and healing those wounded inner selves because yeah. at 11 or 12, when you have to be an adult, you are really not making a lot of great choices because you don't have the life experience, you don't have no. the maturity, you don't have the no. bandwidth, but you just call it in, pull it together, and if you made it through the day, right. that's what was in a success. But now we go to these disenfranchised kids right. and they live in a fantasy world where they can kill things all the time, yeah. where they can take out their frustrations and their angers. And, you know, when we look at this, it's always a case of feeling hopeless and powerlessness and where can I find power? Yeah. And so this is where they find power. Yeah. But simply sitting down and listening to any child is more than they get most of the time. It is. I'm actually going to listen to you. I'm going to hear what you say. Yes. I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to invite you and teach you how to look or think about it mm -hmm. differently. So you had to have had some kind of role model you tried to pattern yourself off when you were trying to figure out how to be an adult and do all of these things. Who was your, who were you patterning yourself after? I get asked that question all the time. And I don't have an answer. I'm, I'm hesitating only because, <laughs> I, 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 seriously, um, I, I've been asked that question many times. And, um, and you're really going to take me down the down a place that I didn't want to go. <laughs> but if you want to put this out there. Um, so I'm also an intuitive. And there was always a voice with me. And I used to think I was crazy. <laughs> that it was like, who's talking to me? Like, what is this voice? <laughs> You know, they would say, okay, don't do that or do it this way. Or it was like somebody was like helping me um, because literally living with my grandmother, I had multiple jobs around the, the neighborhood. I, I, I had my, my, my bicycle with my basket on the front and I would do shopping for the neighbors or I would clean houses or we were ironing men's shirts when, when you iron men's shirts. Um, so I was always doing something so we, you know, I could pay for the rent and um, I would get in trouble a great deal because I would never come home when I was supposed to or <laughs> do what I was supposed to do. Um, so fast forward many, many years later. So I, I've written seven business books trying to write my personal book, um, The Unstoppable Life of Connie Fife. And I keep getting stuck on that question. Who was that person that I looked up to? And again, still haven't, I still haven't found that answer. So I'm in Vegas a couple of years ago. And I was at a, um, a millionaire round table, one of the penthouses on the strip. And I had a woman who insisted on, she wanted to sit with me. And I'm saying this on the air. I don't believe I'm going to be. I'm saying this. <laughs> and, and like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm very intuitive. I always feel that there's somebody with me. And I've been told this thousands of times by different people. So she says to me, she says, you have four people with you. 
And I'm like, four? And she said, yes, you have four angels with you. It turns out she was an intuitive as well. And, and so she starts telling me one is my stepfather, my father, the one that I didn't get along with. And, of course, my response was, what the hell does he want? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's dead. Like, what does he want? And then he's like, and then she's like trying to come, you know, my grandmother, Anna, and, and you know, and I'm still like, okay, well, what are they doing here? What do they want? And then he says, and there's another woman, female, your aunt, and then, and um, um, another guy. Um, and he's the one that's been with you your entire life, protecting you and guiding you. And they just want you to know that you have fulfilled your contract and you are doing exactly what you need to be doing in life right now. And again, which is making a better, better world for, for other people and, and being of service to other people. And I, and so she I said, well, who was this other guy? I don't know who, who this is. And she says, his name is Ralph. And I said, I don't know any Ralph. <laughs> what are you talking about? And she said, Ralph has been with you your entire life, and he has been guiding you and helping you through all of, all of your difficulties. And so I immediately went back to, because I do study, study this, and I immediately went back to my guide and asked her, I said, well, what does this mean? And she said, that was a really powerful moment that you fulfilled, for them to say that you fulfilled your contract, and Ralph has been your your." your spiritual guide all of all of this time. So um, uh, whether a lot of people believe that or not, um, I had a hard time believing it, but I now do believe it because I never could answer that question. I, I truly cannot answer that question and I'm still struggling to put that part in the book as well. So it's very interesting. I wanna share something with you and thank you for your vulnerability. And this is the right show to share it on. Did you, before you get into that, did you figure out who Ralph was? Yes. I went back and I did um, some more um, digression. And he's a former husband in a, from a previous life. And he's, okay. and he's, so he's been my protector. So, um, so I, well, I have a question, but I want to, I want to share. So, I, I taught at an MBA level boot camp for entrepreneurs off and on for 10 or 12 years. And, you know, when I first got there, when I first started being on faculty and stuff like that, I didn't, I, I never hid my spiritual side, but mm. you know, I was like, that's not what I'm here for. Right. But at some point I turned it around. And by the last few years I was teaching, when I would teach whatever I was teaching, whether it was networking or whatever, um, people would say, um, so Dr. Kevin, what would be the first thing you would do if I, uh, somebody that wanted to open a business, start a business, whatever, what would be the first thing you would do? And I could be on a stage and have a hundred business or you know, early business mm -hmm. owners or even business owners trying to expand. And I would look at the audience and I'd say, the first thing I'm gonna do is we're gonna figure out the vision and mission statement for your soul. Because mm -hmm. once we figured out the vision and mission statement for your soul, if as long as your business is in alignment with it, you cannot fail. Right. And so there were some of those business owners that would never come and talk to me. There'd be some right. of those business owners that would be a little distance, but there was also a significant number of business owners and, and Elmer used to go with those to me sometimes and, uh, and uh, be there with me when I would do that. And I would run breakfast, lunch, and dinner tables, and I would be there for 10 days, and there'd be a waiting line for people that wanted to sit at my table and people that wanted that. And it is need. And I want you to remember that, you know, my, my business card actually has, my, my, has a K and an octagon because the number eight is the spirituality of business and the business of spirituality. Mm -hmm. And those of us who have learned how to have a successful foot in both fields are building the bridges, kicking down the gates, and giving people permission to come out of their closet. So you must include that in your book. You must know that there are people that are waiting for somebody that you are their role model 
and they feel like they have to hide their spirituality mm -hmm. that they're uncomfortable being naked about the truth of how they got where they were because somebody might not approve well if we're going to look at somebody not approving it's always going to happen i like to get as many of them out of the way as possible so the people that i need to work with can get to me and the rest of them can get lost i don't really give a shit. Mm -hmm. well i don't promote it and i i don't um and yeah because there's a lot of naysayers we want and that's a whole nother <laughs> conversation that comes from the family side um but when i do work with people i do start there and and we have those conversations first and foremost and then when we when we're i mean we coach about business but it's a whole we probably spend 90 percent of the time on the personal side before we even get to the business and uh, you know so they understand and a lot of my work comes from referrals, so they do it that way. But I, I've never publicly promoted it, just like, just like you gave me permission to just do it. So let me ask you this question. You said you were adopted um, when you were a child. Did you ever track down your birth family? Yes, yeah, so it's, my mother is my real mother dad was not my dad i did track my down my real family yes my father died when he was 32 of a brain cancer um i did connect with my birth brother i have two more siblings um so i'm actually an only child so i have three siblings on mom's side and three other siblings on dad's side so yes i've tracked them all down okay now how old were you when your dad died at 32 I was 16. Okay, so he was 16 when he had you. Mm -hmm. Okay, because when you were getting the messages as a young person, mm -hmm. like when you were a young person and running around with your grandmother, I heard that one of the voices that was talking to you was somebody from your bloodline that was on the other side that you never knew about, but was watching over you because oh, you were on their bloodline. He was there. He was the other guy that was there. Yes. There we go. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, it was it was Peter, it was Dad, Anna, him, which is Bayless, and then Ralph. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I was picking up on that when you were talking about and I don't know who that was and I don't know who that was and I'm like, This is this is genetic family. There's a person that's the genetic family that's involved here that was watching over you and taking care of you when they weren't involved in life when they were in the physical form but anyways so i just wanted to pass that on i'm glad that you figured it out i didn't tell you anything you didn't know but when i hear something like that in my head i always want to share it because i, I did, usually yeah. hear it for a reason i did a lot of research the one gift that i do have um when people are passing through um from this earth to the next um I, 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 that's when I connect. I have a lot of connections there. So permission to speak freely. How's that ever Fine. stopped you? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I like to create permission, permission to speak freely, Connie. Um, about, about that? <laughs> about something that you said I would like to comment on. Okay. Okay. You said the one gift I have is the one of many gifts that I have. Yes, one of is. many gifts. One yes. of the many gifts that I. Uh oh. Oh no! Oh, but no. I didn't want to. <laughs> Hopefully, we don't lose I him didn't, again. I didn't want. Oh, you there, Kevin? Uh, I I didn't. Yep. Can you hear me? Yeah. I can see. Can you see me? Can you hear me? Yeah, you froze there for for a minute. Yep, I I didn't want uh, I I didn't want to correct your misrepresentation of a single gift without your permission, because okay. we know you have many gifts that you're out there bringing to the world. So, if you could get one person out there to come in and be a mentor through your organization that would just 
thrill you to the bone, who would it be? <laughs> oh my gosh. plugging. <laughs> <laughs> I my, my, oh yes, oh my gosh, my list is long. Oh, oh, oh. Um. Simon Sinek comes to mind. Okay. I think I, I have him on my list. I think he would be a fantastic mentor. Mm -hmm. Yes. So if I have one name, I have more. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I wanted to make sure I did a good one. But yeah, no, he's definitely someone that I, I think it would be a fantastic mentor um, to, to these kids. Again, on the confidence side, helping them with the confidence. Helping them understand their why and why you know that that they're doing what they're what they're doing. And so I'm going to ask you for one more name of if if you could have anybody to mentor for your kids that was female. That was who would it be? Female. Well, it would have to be our vice president. Okay. Okay. Um, so, if you could get Simon and Camelia. Yes. Kamala. Kamala. Rain, will you get on that, Kamala. please? Would you Rain, get Kamala you? and Simon for her? <laughs> Kamala? Okay. Could you arrange that, Rain? This is what you do. I probably you know could. Everybody. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm like the people. The yeah, she's the people connector, too. She knows everybody. <laughs> I'm surprised she doesn't know them. Um, I would, I already reached out to her office before she became vice president. <laughs> well, now's the time to reach out. Let's, uh, come on, yeah, Connie. I know your powers. Together, we could probably get, we could probably get them to invite us to dinner. I know. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm, I'm, I'm living really close to the, to DC, I can go knock on her door. <laughs> Uh, okay, Connie, I don't want to put up any bond money for you, but I do think we, you know, especially with your drinking skills from earlier, I just, uh, you know, keep an eye on you. I had me all flustered. <laughs> Dr. Kevin's good at that. That's why I let him grill the people I know, because he's going to get in there. I said he's going to get inside your head. He did. He did. I was really vulnerable. Sure. So we've only got a couple minutes left. I know okay. we want to introduce our next guest, who our next guest is going to be next week. But I do have a final question for you. Okay. Of all of the parts of your childhood that you were forced to give up to become an adult, what one thing as an adult that you haven't done? would you like to do to reclaim that part of your childhood so it's not lost? Well, I always wanted to be a Girl Scout, but then I became a Girl Scout CEO. Um, <laughs> um, I always wanted to play in a softball team, but then I, I did that. Um, so it's not lost. It's interesting because I, I actually wrote a list of those things and I've checked them all off. <laughs> I made sure I went and did them. Um, wanted to go to college. I did it. Um, I even to the point where I, because like you said, I've been married and divorced a couple of times and then I put a halt to it and said, I'm not doing it again until I find a guy and I wrote down exactly what I wanted the guy to look like and behave and do. And I got him. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, so right now I checked off all the boxes on that list. So I would invite you at some point to take one spin around if you haven't done it. At don't be a don't be a Girl Scout CEO. Be a troop leader. That's just being a big Girl Scout. Because mm -hmm. being a CEO, you didn't go through the child aspect of 
being a Girl Scout, you went through the adult energy of touching it to help other Girl Scouts, but that didn't do anything for your little girl who wanted to really be a Girl Scout. Sitting behind the administrator CEO desk, I don't think that that got her her badge in selling Girl Scout cookies. No, but I always showed up at summer camp. Okay. <laughs> and, people would, and people would ask, why did the CEO show up at summer camp? And I wouldn't tell people who I was. Oh, my staff knew who I was, but I wouldn't tell the girls. So I'll tell a really funny story cause I, about that. So at, at Camp Louise, there is a point at the lake and the, you know, the scary horror story at camp is there was a young Girl Scout who had died there. As a, um, she drowned in the lake. Her, na her name was Connie. So when they would tell the ghost stories at night, Connie would come back and haunt the lake at night. So, <laughs> so one day uh, we had the, our new um, our new staff come you know come on to camp for for the summer, and I would always go up and meet them and greet them and talk to them. So I I was calling that morning. I was calling Rachel, our camp director. Somebody else answers, and I you know I asked for Rachel, and she's like you know could I tell her who is calling? And I said Connie. <laughs> The girl pass. The girl passes out. <laughs> I get, I get, and the phone goes dead. So I'm like, okay, you know, because something that happens at camp because it's in the middle of nowhere. So I get to camp. Rachel comes running over to me and she's laughing. I'm like, what? She's like, what did you say to her? I said, I, I just asked for you and told her Connie was calling. So she said she passed out because the night before, the very first night in camp. They told the ghost story of Connie drowning in the lake and haunting the camp. See the kind of effect you have on people. Oh boy! So I would, I would show. I did show up at camp, and I was, I would sit with the girls, and that's when I would hear their stories. And uh, there were so many stories. And and going back to giving them direction, um, the one that I could think of, she wanted to be. I think she was in third grade. She wanted to be a newspaper editor. Came from a very poor family. We were having a conversation. You know, I'd always ask the usual question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And so that's when she was sharing she wanted to be a newspaper editor. And But she's like, I'll never go to college. My family's really poor. You know, they said, you know, families, you know, college isn't important. And I could hear all those words being said to me as a little girl. And so my suggestion to her, I said, well, go back to your school and talk to your teacher, your counselor about starting a, a newspaper. You be the editor and write a couple stories and get some other people to write some stories and create your own uh, newspaper. So she did. They allowed her to do it. She ended up using that as uh, like a badge for um, scouting, um, one of her badges. Well, she went on. She got a scholarship for college. She ended up becoming an editor at the New York Times. So there are so her. many... Yeah, so, so we have so many stories like that or, that I was able to, like, touch these girls. So, yeah, I wasn't a Girl Scout. Um, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a leader either. My, my daughter played softball. I coached my daughter's softball team, so I got involved that way. Uh, but I, I got involved with the girls that way. I would just show up and, you know, just to be there. And like I said, I wouldn't tell them, you know, who I was. But although eventually I was named the queen of the camp so that was you know you'd always have a camp name and so they gave me the queen so i had that but i wouldn't like every year i wouldn't you know tell people who i was i would just go there and see it so that might you know dr kevin um help with that part of it you know that i wasn't a girl scout but but people there you would go. people would say why are you here like you're the ceo you shouldn't be here <laughs> i'm like yeah 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 i want to be here Hey, so, look, we, just tell them a queen is an upgrade from a CEO. So, what's our next? What's our next guest, Elma? Yes, we've we've gone over time. Uh, Doctor Claudio, is it Cerullo? Rain. That's you guys's guy. Oh, is that is that Doctor Kevin? Is that someone yeah, you brought right? in? Yeah. But you talked to them and booked them, right? Because... I, yeah, super nice guy, so humble. You're gonna love love him. I mean, just like all our guests, of course. He's super nice guy. His wife was super nice. She booked it. We got it all set. 
he can't wait to be on here changing lives just love it and, and apparently the, sh the show is getting um getting uh, the skirt too as well as you dr kevin because we have no guest for 1010 currently well i'm waiting for the guy you wanted me to have one that spoke the uh, mark he said he was gonna give me a call oh it was mark and melissa have you heard from melissa I haven't heard from anybody. I was holding uh, that spot open for one of I'll them. So if you want to stick I'll them in them. there. Yeah, I'll okay. text so, them. Um, stick it to them. What's that? Oh, the screen, Elmer. Nah, 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 nah. Like, nah, <laughs> nah, 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 nah. me, it was you. Your guest fell out. Uh, no, okay, she said, she, said she, boys and girls. she said she wanted to interview them first. I leave that up to her. Yeah, I told him to call me, and I tell everybody, oh, call yeah. me, because, you know, at least that way I'm not interrupting you. You call me, and I, I haven't heard back from some people don't call me, or I'll, they'll say, I'll call you tomorrow at 1, and then I'll hear from them, and then they call in two weeks and say, oh, do you still want me on the show? I'm like, this is not tomorrow at 1. <laughs> All right, let's try this. Thanks oh, look, oh, look, oh, look, oh, personal Loving in the live show. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, did. please share it with others, post about it on social media, or support us with Buy Me A Coffee. To catch all of the latest from Laughing, Loving, and Alive, you can follow us on Instagram at Laughing, Loving, and Alive, and on Facebook at Laughing, Loving, and Alive. Thanks again, and see you next time. Woohoo!